So, I was walking to school this morning. Okay. And it was so bright. It was really bright today, actually. Um, but I forgot my sandies at home. That's the worst thing. It's worse so than forgetting your headphones, really. Definitely. Because yeah. you can't see anything. And I, I was going to walk out into traffic. <laughs> um, but then I thought, you know what? What? I need some new ones. Uh-huh. So, I'm going to go to Palenco Sunglasses oh, yeah, and get some brand new them. ones. Yeah. Do you know about them? Yeah, a little bit. They are a British boutique sunglasses mm-hmm. company inspired by Mexican lifestyle. But the thing is, I've heard they don't have that many colours or the range isn't that big. This is because they've spent all their time doing what they do best mm-hmm. is making really high quality sunglasses using the best components. But guess what? what? If, they, if anything goes wrong with them, they'll right. repair them or replace them in the first three months. That's amazing. Free. Yeah, That's that is amazing. Really That's amazing. really amazing. Good. You wouldn't get that like, anywhere. Like, no, perspective, definitely not. And the, and the the real best part is uh-huh. the listeners of this podcast, okay. if they go to the website and they buy some sunglasses and put in the promo code HOMEWORK, they'll get 30% off. That's amazing. That's lots, isn't it? That's a lot of money off. <laughs> you know, that's a massive It is a lot discount. of money off. <laughs> it's a lot of a discount. It is a lot of a discount. It's a lot of a um, discount. And that's the thing. Like, they wanted to make them not, like, super expensive, but yeah. not cheapo ones. And so they're right in that mid-range, but with this discount, they're actually super affordable. That's amazing. So, uh, wh- what are they called again? Palenco sunglasses. If you want to find them, go to www.palencos.com. Hey guys, my name's Cameron. And I'm Shanara. And welcome back to the Homework Club. Today we are doing our back to school special. Well, it's yeah. not even a special. It's just it's like not. It's, it's just, just one uh, of our the reason. Like the reason we picked this is because I was going back to school, and yeah. now here I am. Here we are. Um, just at school how has it been uh, you know like how are you it's been? fine you know you get to see people you get to see people that you haven't seen for six weeks yeah but it's also work mm. it's nice because you, you start like the first day is like we call it an inset day mm-hmm. so you go and there's no kids there basically any updates about how things work mm. they're like our school's actually changing like we're changing the school day yeah um we were doing six periods of Three 45 periods, minutes. Yeah. Before, yeah. yeah. It was six periods of 45 minutes. Now it's five periods of an hour. So they tell us the changes that are happening and what's happened over the summer and stuff. And you get to catch up with people and have a chat. Do you remember when we first started together and on inset day, we both wore like really smart clothes and everyone like, was in like, like trainers and jeans. People were in like thongs and t-shirts, like shorts and t-shirts. I was like, oh, I feel like Don't say thongs in the UK because that's underwear. I'm not, I'm not going to say flip-flops. I'm going to stand flip-flops. by my country's language thongs i'm gonna say thongs you, you say oh, you know that plant. guy was wearing thongs i'm gonna say eggplant i'm Aubergine. gonna say capsicum peppers i'm gonna say zucchini courgette and i'm gonna say snow peas ah. no snow peas mange tout. oh mange tout. it's actually called snow peas it's not actually called do you know what mange tout means yes what don't know <laughs> it's like eat it's like to eat to eat really yeah okay which is dumb ready to eat because everything's, well, it's everything's French, to eat, but yeah. No, school is fine. It's all right. Like you know, you're a bit of a freak, and you wake up really early anyway, don't you? Like six o'clock uh, yeah. in the morning or something stupid like that. By the end of the holidays, I was maybe stretching to like seven or eight. <gasps> I know. What? But no, it hasn't been too hard to get back in a routine. Okay. And the first, because like we, the kids come in on Wednesday, mm. and I've like you just spend the first two and a half days just like giving the outline of what you should be doing and stuff. Like it's pretty pretty chilled. But next week it'll be. Back to it. Back to it. Yeah. Cool. So on that theme, back to school. And that's why our films this week were set in school. So you picked for me the film, The Facts of Being a Wallflower, which is based on a play. Uh, And the things I wanted you to focus on were Mm -hmm. how 
accurately you felt they portrayed the high school, mm-hmm. um, how they represented and showed depression and anxiety, mm. um, the three main characters and their relationship, and the social commentary of all the issues that the movie brings up. Yes. Okay, so The Pikes of Being a Wallflower is a 2012 film um, based on the book by Stephen Chomsky. He actually wrote the screenplay and directed the film as well, which I think is brilliant, yeah. because if anyone's going to keep true to a book, it's going to have to be the author, right? Yeah. Um, and this book brought about a lot of controversy when it was first released because of its focus and depiction of mental health. So the book is about a boy called um, Charlie and it follows Charlie as he writes letters to this ambiguous friend and the book starts off with Dear Friend and it's this letter and the film starts off in the same way. narrating like the story that he's writing. Yeah, so the letters then become a device for narration of the story and we know right from the beginning that something is wrong with Charlie. We don't really know what's wrong with him but he says, I was very bad last year. Yeah. And it's his... and he's coming up to the first day of high school. He's just come from middle school. But because so, so that's like our year nine, I think. I think so. It's very he said complicated. They had four years, four years of high school. Yeah. Which then would end in our year thirteen, actually. So is it year eight then? So it would be no, no. So it would be year ten. So do 10, 11, 12, 13. That's oh yeah, because they graduate eighteen, don't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. This is set in an American high school, and that's why we're having this conversation. Um, it's very different. Um, and it follows him and how he goes on to make friends, the relationship he has with his friends and his family as well, and then about the breakdowns that he has. Like, the there's, like, there's so many issues there's going so on many all different around things. everybody. Yeah. So we'll start off with um, the high school. Now, straight away, this is an American high school. Yeah. And it's an American high school is very, very, very different to a British high school. First of all, they do not wear uniform, whereas no. we do. What do you do? You wear uniform in Australia. We had like uh, not uniforms like here, mm. not like uh, um, j- like you know shirt and tie and mm. jacket and stuff like blazers. We had like a polo shirt. We had to mm. wear. That was it though. There was like we you could wear you could wear black, white, or green. Mm. That was our school colors. Okay. You had to have a it had to be a school one mm. with the like. Um, we had like the school mm. name and logo or whatever on the on the breast, but that was it. So it was more like sort of dress guy. Like you just wear jeans. Oh right, okay. And those. Okay. Yeah. Oh no, we we've we have uniforms. Like it's very unusual to have a non like yeah. a school without uniforms in the UK. Now you know in America, some of the poorest schools have uniforms mm. because it's just easier to make these yeah, kids yeah. have uniforms and get bullied because of the clothes they wear. Now, have you, you've never really watched The Wire, have you? No. One of the seasons, later seasons of The Wire, everyone should watch what, what The Wire, by the way. One of the later seasons is they, it's set, like, you know, parts of it set in a school. Yeah. And they had the polo shirts, like you said, but they're different colours for different years. Uh, and that's another way of managing the students. <laughs> and uh, So I looked into it and that, yeah, so in poorer schools, that's what they do. Yeah, Whereas in normal, you know, standard high schools in America, it's just your clothes. Free for all. I think it's quite a good idea having uniforms. Yeah, I think so as well. Like I know, I know, kids hate it, but yeah, as teachers, yeah. we know the value of a uniform. Yeah. You know, if you are poor or if you're struggling, then it it cuts down bullying. Yeah. Um, the high school as well. It's very different from the UK. Some, you know, they can all drive. You know, you can get a license when you're like 14 or something yeah. in America. So everyone's got a car kind of thing. The school as well is very divided in so much as you've got the jocks, you've got the goths, you've got the, the popular nerds. kids and the nerds, all of that. In our school. 
we don't really have that much of a division, do we? No, we have the popular kids and the nerdy kids. Obviously, you have that everywhere. But even still, it's not like so divisive. No. Like I found, like you know. But it, maybe because visually, it's not because everyone's maybe. a new form. And maybe, mm. maybe we don't see it because mm. we're the teachers. And, and this we don't division, care to see it, yep. but like most of this division probably happens in the playground mm. or at lunchtime and stuff, and we probably don't see that as much. So. Charlie goes to school and it's the same school his um, big sister Candice is at, his big brother was at before as well. And initially says, I wish like, you know, Candice would like, let me sit with her. And she's like, nope, seeing his own. And she's yeah. not saying in a mean way, I don't think. I think she's no, just but, and that's, saying and that's it. the other thing. Like, we didn't really have that here. But like when you start, you're a freshman. Mm. Then you're second year, you're a sophomore. Yeah. Then you're a junior, then you're a senior. Yeah. And they like bully they all like torture the freshmen mm. which is like a weird thing mm. that doesn't happen like no, no, nobody's torturing the year sevens. sevens yeah but i guess maybe because our school is so much bigger because mm. you have from 11 years old to 18 it's it's not that much of like people coming in. i don't know like it's mm. it seems like a weird thing that you just for no reason for yeah. me, these but it, i feel like in, in uh, the depiction of high school in most american situations it is like that like yeah you know, yeah, you yeah. Pick on the freshman and stuff so the high school's there and then you've got the english teacher played by paul rudd and he's quite creative and he's like you know a typical representation of an english teacher obviously <laughs> i was gonna say like do you think you were like him because he's like because he's really nice. He comes out to be like the only guy that's nice to Charlie. Mm. And he loves literature and he loves books mm. and he like gives him his favourite books. I used to this, give this. books out. I do. Cause I, Individual ones? Yeah, to students, yeah. So in my form class as a kid, um, and he is incredible at reading, but it's like something I've never seen before in my life. And he like reads like the biggest he's books. He like devours these yeah, books. Yeah, he does. And he just reads all the time. And he's a really naughty kid as well. Probably. He's really, really smart. So he just gets away with it. So with him, like I've got a bookshelf behind my desk, which is my books. And yeah. they have my name on it and no one can get them unless I give them. And I used to give him my book. So he just like finished his shelf off in like two weeks. And I was like, shit, I don't <laughs> actually know what to do now. <laughs> so I passed him off to my head of department. Do you think you were as inspirational as Paul Rudd was? Because um, he was like giving advice about love and like life. Well, and making give, like talking about yeah. big life decisions with the kids and stuff. I've had to give advice, you know, begrudgingly, but I've had to do it. <laughs> so like, so <laughs> not as inspirational as No, Paul because Rudd. I didn't want to be. <laughs> I'm like, don't tell me about your problems, please. <laughs> I don't want to know. Like, I was that teacher. Like, like, I just don't want to know. It's very difficult, like, when you open that kind of worms, I think. And yeah. I call it kind of worms. Because then they start coming back to you. <laughs> and you're like, I'm not your friend. Um, so you've got the teacher. You've got the strict teacher. That's a chop-chop teacher. So, you know, the high school elements are there. You've got the issues of bullying as well, which are very, very apparent. So yeah. in his AP class for English, so and he's like, I'm really excited to be teaching, uh, studying with, like, very smart people because he is very very smart yeah. charlie and he wants to be a writer yeah and, that's a whole and thing. you've got a kid a girl next to him who is horrible and disgusting and he's like can you believe the narration says that she's had straight a's since kindergarten yeah. and she's like this like ringleader who like gets people to beat him up and stuff so his initial experience of high school is really not positive no. he has no and he's like terrified to answer questions like he knows yep. the answers to and all the writes, questions yep. and he writes them down and he won't say them yep. because he's scared that he'll be bullied for it Th- i thought that was not true like i've i've i haven't had issues in my class with kids not wanting to answer questions because mm. they're worried that they'll get them like because he was worried about mm. getting it right 
and what the other kids will think of him when he gets a question correct. I've had that issue. Like, one of my English classes, they're like all the naughty kids in one bloody class. This was a decision taken last year, and I've complained about it because the ability range is very difficult to manage. Because the ones that can do it are also some of the naughtiest kids, and they just don't want to do it. And because they control that class, so no one, I literally have had lessons when I've gone, oh, is no one going to answer a question today? Okay, yeah. fine, that's what we're doing today. That's fantastic. But they're not, not doing it because they're worried that their friends will beat them up. But out. that's another reflection of his mind, though, isn't yeah. it? I mean, he's... He's worried about that he, happening. Yeah. I mean, he's got severe mental health issues which are hinted at throughout the entire book yeah. and film as well. One of the things, though, um, that is, I think, depicted really beautifully is the loneliness. Yeah. Um, we know kids that don't have any friends yeah. in school and you can't do anything about it because you can't force someone to be friends yeah. with someone else. Especially and in especially in high school when you're... Yeah. When, like, especially in this depiction where they're in like year 10. Mm. He's, what, 16 or something? 15. 15. Yeah, 15. Um, and people are starting to become more mature. Mm. And it's like, you do get to a point where you can't be like, oh, go and play with yeah, them. Because you can't. Because, yeah. like, you know, you, you become an adult and you learn that you don't have to be friends with everybody and you don't have to get along with everybody all yeah. the time. One of the scenes in the cafeteria when he has a slow um, push out from him, like, just looking around and he's like, oh, and he's... By himself. And by himself, reading a book and eating mm. his dinner. And he was really lonely. And you just think, that happens, but it happens in adulthood as well, even in, like, the work situation when sometimes you might just feel like, literally, I'm sitting here in the staff room and I don't know anyone. And yeah. No one's talking to me because I'm, like, the new one, you know? It ha- it ha- it's never happened to me, obviously. Because <laughs> you're so popular. I am. Full of life, I am. <laughs> um, <clears throat> they also showed, like, the parties and stuff. Oh, it's so unrealistic. I was like, <laughs> Have you ever watched Skins? Yeah. Oh, my God. So that's another thing, isn't it? Like, that was set in, like, you know, college situation, like, high school. And yeah. you just think, that is that's so not, yeah. unrealistic. You know, your parents know where you are. Yeah, and they go to this house party and there's, they're like, all rich there's well. like, 200 people there. Mm. And they're just, like, huge party. Mm. And they've all got, like, tons of booze. Mm. And someone comes and gives them, like, a pop brownie and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, it's not that wasn't happen. happening when I was... No. <laughs> like, our, our parties were so lame. And there was, like, 20 of us. And we had, like, a case of beer between us. Yeah. Like, we didn't Come have on. any because your parents would say no. Yeah. Like, you know, you're a child technically, right? <laughs> Surely that's just like responsible parenting. One of the things, another thing that I thought was quite clear was the idea of building a reputation. So he comments on one of his friends that was like really close to him in middle school. Yeah. And then she doesn't want to speak to him anymore because she's becoming popular. And this, like, you know, you don't speak to weirdos in case it affects you. And the English teacher as well. The books, you know, Killer Mockingbird, American Literature. Then you've got Charles Dickens and Shakespeare, which is, okay, I know as English teachers, that's what we do. But also, I'm like, oh, can we not? Can we just get away? I know, To Kill a Mockingbird is my favorite <laughs> book in the entire world. But it's like, there are other books, you know? Yeah. Like, can we stop to show that reading Macbeth? And that, that can guy's favorite books were those, like, classic, yeah. you know. Maybe he likes fantasy. Why, why didn't he give him, like, Harry Potter or something? Yeah, you know or why I mean? not, like, you know, Zayda Smith. Or You know what? Shakespeare, okay, it's always Macbeth. It's always yeah. bloody Macbeth or bloody Romeo and Juliet. I hate those books now. <laughs> Once upon a time, I used to love them. I remember, I think it was last year, I don't know how it happened on my timetable, but I was teaching 8, 9, and 10, and all of the classes were Shakespeare. Shakespeare. <laughs> and I had I just had a bit... Like, I was like, I think I'm done now. Like, <laughs> and then I just never got over that. This is bad. But the only one I've read was Merchant of Venice. 
Okay. Which was really good one. It That's was really, a good one. It was really yeah. good. So I thought the high school depiction was very American, very stereotypical very American. American. And, and, and I think very, yeah, like Hollywood American. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if lots of that wasn't quite... Oh, we don't yeah. know, do we? We don't know, but yeah. like you, you still think it's all probably exaggerated. They're a little bit too mature as well. And I've always found yeah. that about American kids where they... I mean, maybe driving does that. Maybe it just gives you that independence that we lack. But they, they probably were like... Yeah, they, sort of they were like. just, and you never saw um, Patrick and Sam's parents. So let's move on then okay. to um, can we do the relationship between the friends then? So, sure. Yeah. Um, so you've got the three main characters. So um, he goes and sits with them at a football game. He yeah, sees so, this guy, Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller, and um, he plays the character Patrick. Um, so Patrick is a senior in a freshman class, in a woodwork class, yeah. and he is a really naughty kid. He's winding up the teachers. But Charlie's narration says he was the only senior that wasn't pranking the freshmen and was just trying to make them feel welcome. Yeah. And I thought that was really nice. He, he, he did just come across as yeah. like a genuinely nice Yeah, dude. and he was nice. And Charlie goes to this football game. He's by himself, as always, and he notices Patrick. And he goes over to Pat, and he kind of sits near him and says, Hey, Patrick. Patrick goes, Oh, hey, you're in my woodwork class. Um, do you want to come sit next to me unless yeah. and straight he's really really friendly he doesn't even know Charlie's name he doesn't remember then his sister um, Patrick's sister Sam comes along and that's played by Emma Watson and I love that first shot of Sam and she's like it's a low angle shot and Charlie's yeah. looking up and she's looming above him and the moonlight's behind her because it's quite dark I did was you like, like her in this? yeah she. I think because I've read this book so many times, I think she was casted really well for yeah. this role. I think she really captured Sam's essence. Yeah. And she's a really nice character as well, just like Patrick. They're just nice kids, yeah, just nice, yeah, yeah. friendly people. She's not a bitch or anything like that. She's had her own issues as well. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a bit. And but. then she looks down at Charlie and she goes, who's this? Yeah. And then Patrick introduces them and they start talking about their friends and then Charlie's just in the middle of them and then... Patrick goes, oh yeah, so we're not going to do that. We're going to go there instead. Come yeah, with us. Yeah, you coming? Yeah. Yeah, like just just come with us. And it was just this expected thing. Whereas Charlie's sitting there going, oh, now they're just talking about themselves. Yeah. And he thinks they're a couple, um, because they're so close. But they're stepbrother and sister. And she says, oh, my mom left my piece of Horrible shit. Horrible dad. Dad and married really nice, nice dad. dad. Yeah. And they form this friendship. These are literally the first friends Charlie's had. And they become his whole world. Yeah. Like they, they become do. everything. Mm-hmm. Like he develops a like a love interest mm. with Sam. But Patrick is like just as sort of important in mm. his life. Like he's such a big element in it. He he sort of almost takes him under his wing, but mm. kind of just is like scoops him up and mm. like he's like, Now you're with us and now we look after you and they're taking him to parties and they have little things together and stuff. Well, so after they that first initial meeting, they all go to a party together where they in Charlie's introduced to the outer circle of friends yeah. and Charlie gets high there because someone gives him a brownie which you know what I'm not okay with that because it's like okay if you want to do weed and drugs and whatever you want to do because you know kids experiment that's fine that's your choice but to remove that choice from someone yeah. and just to give it to them because you you think it's funny that's not okay you know and Sam is not okay with it because she's no. like, who gave that to him? And then he's high in his stomach. He's asking for like a milkshake. milkshake. And she makes him that milkshake, which is so sweet. She just <laughs> makes him. She's like, right, scene. I'll make you a milkshake. And she's making it. And then he starts talking about his best friend, Michael. And that's the first 
a clear point where mm. you know something's wrong with Charlie. So I was like, Michael, she, she says he sounds amazing. And um, Charlie says he was amazing. She goes, oh, what happened? He goes, oh, he, um, he shot himself, shot himself in the head last year. And then he says, I wish he just left a note. And, and carries and be- on talking. And because he's high, mm. he doesn't, it's no sort of... Awkwardness. Like, you know, gravitas to mm. his statement of it. He's not doing, it's not heavy or anything. He's just like, oh yeah, like this happened. Mm. Anyways. Like, and that on. affects Sam. And yeah. straight away, she takes it back. She finishes, she finishes making that milkshake and then she watches him share the milkshake and this is the best milkshake in the world. Do you hear he says, it's even better than the first one. So obviously <laughs> she's made two milkshakes for him. That's really funny. And then she um, speaks to Patrick and says, and she whispers and we can hear the whisper in the audience. And she says, um, Sam, um, Charlie just told me this about his friend shooting himself in the head. I don't think he has any friends. And Patrick looks over to Sam, goes over and does a toast. Yeah. And it is one of the nicest so moments. And it's like to Charlie, you know, and he's like, I, he's like, you are a wallflower. And he says, oh, I thought no one noticed me. And Patrick says, oh, that's because we just thought there were no more cool people left to hang out with. Yeah, he's so and good. They welcome him in, they take him in, and the relationship. I love what is she said. She brilliant. said, Welcome to the island of misfit toys. Yeah. That's a cool little, yeah. that's a cool little line. They develop such a strong bond almost immediately, and it's lovely. And you can see Charlie coming out of his shell a little bit more. Yeah. He's gaining confidence. Parents notice it, his brother, his sister notice it, and everyone's happy for him. Yeah. They're like, He's finally got friends, which is. Really lovely, and it's actually a nice way to move into the depression and mental health. Actually, I was just gonna say quickly because mm. they have that really nice secret Santa. Oh thing, yes, yes. And yes. he goes to his dad and says, "Can I have ten dollars mm. to go and buy a secret Santa present?" Because mm. Sam loves secret Santa. I know he he says for this, and he's like, well, "Why do you need that?" He's like, "Because Sam Sam wants to do it, and she loves secret Santa." And he gives him a fifty. Yeah, that was really fun. sweet. Yeah. He's like, "Yeah," and then he just bought like the nicest presents for all of yeah. them. Yeah, and together they do the Rocky Horror Picture Show as well. Yeah. that's really fun. Have you been to a Rocky Horror Picture no. Show? Oh, it is so yeah, no, I need fun. To. Like you know how she depicted it. It yeah. is exactly like that, literally. Like it is like people are shouting. You know what to say. And the first time I went. It was with a friend, and there were these ladies in front of us, and they had, um, you know, the glow sticks. Yeah. And then they literally just turned around, and like, here you go, pass them along. <laughs> but, uh, okay. And then this woman was next to me, and she was, like, putting glow sticks around me, and she put a tinsel, like, bow around me as well. And I was like, this is my first time. She's like, oh, don't worry, you know what to do. And then there's, you know, the scene where the transsexual, transgender, the main alien character is, like, yeah. shouting out. You're meant to shout things back as well. And it's like, you know, gaps in the line when you shout it back and you're meant to like join into all the like singing dance and the characters come off stage and they'll sit on your laps and things. It is <laughs> so much fun. But if you're not a bit wacky, you're going to be so you're going to hate, yeah. hate it. I like the fact that he gets really involved with that Yeah, well. yeah. And like he steps in. He does it yeah. for her basically, yeah. but then he like gets involved in it and stuff. So he starts dating Mary... Mary Elizabeth. Yeah. So Mary Elizabeth is this like angry, bitter, a bit of a bullshit character in my opinion. Um, she constantly goes on about herself. She only yeah. talks about herself. She asks him to this dance and then says, oh, but I would never go to a high school dance even though she's gone to every single one yeah. of them. And he criticizes Mary Elizabeth because she's just constantly calling him and texting him and doesn't even loan <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And then they're at this party. Playing truth or dare. Yeah. And Patrick does... Charlie to kiss the prettiest girl and he kisses Sam and there's a massive falling out and this is when Murray Elizabeth gets everyone to ostracise him out of the group and he's lost all well, his Well, no, because Patrick was the one that said I think you should stay away for a while 
Yeah, because like it wasn't. She didn't say anything for that. But to she created that issue. She could have easily turned around and said, "Oh, we can just forgive him." Because she, when he phones her, yeah. she says, "Stop calling everyone. It's embarrassing." Yeah. So I think she was. She, yeah. She was fanning the flames a little. But bit. But I guess it was true a little bit that these people had been friends for four years and he'd been there for half a year and he mm. was like expecting to be welcomed back with warm arms. Mm. Um, so but then. Patrick, who's gay, who's very openly gay, mm. is having a secret relationship with the captain of the football team. Yeah, Brad. And nobody knows about that. And his dad doesn't know. They're sneaking yeah. around. and That was actually really nice, uh, the way it was described, because Brad used to get really he, drunk. He said he could only get... That was the only way he could yeah. get drunk. Um, the only way he could sort of not feel guilty about what he was doing. Yeah. To love him or something. And yeah. then... When Charlie asks Patrick, oh, don't you feel bad that you have to keep this secret? He's like, well, not anymore because now Brad can love me without having to get yeah. drunk, which was quite nice. And, and so they have a really yeah. nice relationship. Yeah, and because they're yeah. at the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And Brad's there. Like, he's there every night and stuff. Yeah. Like they're, except then and he they goes come to, to school. Parties and come to school and then they have separate identities. He's been, but he's been beaten up. Yeah. And he told the school that he got jumped by a gang, but mm. it was his dad that caught them yeah. like, making out or having sex or whatever. And... Like bit the shit out of him, mm. and then as as um, Patrick is walking past, one of his friends trips him over, mm. and he's he, he's just like had enough, and he gets up, and says, "Are you gonna like you know mm. stand up for me in front of your friends?" And Brad's like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "Really, you're gonna really do it like this?" And he's like, "Ah, oh, like, shut up, faggot!" Mm. And it's like the whole room like freezes. And he's like, "What did you say to me?" Mm. And he says it again, and he goes and hits him. And then his football goons get up and start beating up Patrick. They hold him down. Hold him down. Yeah. Like they're punching him in the face. Mm. And like, and then Charlie comes over. Who's been ostracized from the gang at this point. Who nobody's talking to mm. him. And he, he just walks up and then the screen goes black. It's just his face and this yeah. fist. And then he goes black. It goes black. And then he like, it comes back like looking at him. And then he's looking around the group and he looks down at his knuckles. His knuckles are all bloody black, and beaten up. Yeah. And all the bullies are on the floor. Mm. And it's like... Well, he just, like, destroyed these guys. And he picks Patrick up again. And he says, if you come near him, I will just kill you. He says, I'll blind you. That's really specific and, like, (laughs) nasty. But it's it's the way he picks him up as well. Because Charlie's very small. Yeah. And Patrick's quite tall. And And all the other... Because they're all seniors. They're all bigger than him. Much bigger. And he absolutely go. And that's when he's welcomed back to the group. And that's why I hate Mary Elizabeth. Because she says, oh, I'm over you because I'm already dating someone else. And it's like, oh, okay. You shallow, shallow cow. Absolutely. You know what? I don't like that actress, I think. No. I think my, that's my prejudice. <laughs> Everything she has been in cannot stand her. Um, uh, and then it all sort of like works out and him and Sam like have a bit of a smooch and get together at mm. the end sort of thing. All right. Let's move on to the depression, like the depiction yeah. of his depression so anxiety. So initially he says, uh, in the beginning of the narration, he says, I'm trying to understand how I've, I feel happy and sad. And how that yeah. is even possible. And I think that's a really nice a way description of, of yeah. how you feel. Because it's hard to explain. Like, I'm happy, but I'm always sad. You know something's wrong when you shouldn't always be happy and you shouldn't always be sad. And if one thing's always there, yeah, you know something's off. And like, and if you there's know a situation where like, you can't figure out what it is, mm. but something's like you're just not feeling good, you're not feeling happy. I, I don't know if it was depicted super realistically because mm. at the very beginning he says oh you know I had some bad times and then he says that thing about being happy and sad but then for like a big chunk he's really happy mm. like you know he he once he meets them 
and he's brought into the group, seemingly everything is perfect until he has that falling out again. Mm. And it's like, well, that's not necessarily, like, you know, can even if things are all good and he's got all these friends and stuff, you can See, be... I don't think, so. I don't really agree with that because even though he was happy, he still kept thinking about his auntie. Now, in the film yeah, and, and the book yeah. as well, you hear about his auntie who was his favourite person in the entire world. She died in a car accident and you keep getting flashbacks to that. And that's a really important thing because that's what triggers him when he goes off on one. So the triggers were always there. But again, that happens when like something bad happens to him. Mm. So it's not, it's, it's it, like everything is triggered by bad things happening. Mm. Not just, like he's not just got depression. But he does. And I think that's the issue, isn't it? Because the triggers, I mean, let's say... But I don't think like in, in, in like real life, everyone's depression is only triggered by a bad thing happening to them. Not necessarily. Everyone's different, isn't it? That's yeah. the thing. And he's on medication. We know that because we see him taking medication and stuff. But with his triggers is he can't get out of the slump. That's the issue. Mm. Whereas, and he knows he can't because that's when he actually needs help. And like we spoke about this before, the person that actually ex- explicitly asks him about his mental health problems is his brother. Yeah, he's the only one to, that yeah. like, he says, oh, how are you doing? He's like, yeah, mm. good. He's like, no, no, no. Like, how are you doing? Mm. It's weird that he's the only one that... It's in the book as well. Okay. Um, Does it explain why he's the because only Because his parents got Did you talk really to worried about what happened. Like we Even in the book, you don't know what happened last time. Mm. We can only assume that he was sectioned, and he was sectioned for a while. But we don't actually know what happened. We just know that it put strain on their relationship, the parents. Mm. And they started worrying about him so much that they kind of like left like lost their responsibility towards each other towards other children he knew that so he kept quiet after that as not to worry them um and i think that's another point of people that do have mental health problems why people don't speak out about it yeah because you're so worried about how it's going to affect yeah the other affect people. someone else which i think the way people handle those that have mental health i think that's the problem whereas like you know you have people say oh i have depression or bipolar or something and instead of going okay talk to me about it it's like oh i should have known that you did Mm. it's got nothing to do with you and we need to change this way of the way we use language when it comes to like people that have mental health problems if we came out if i came out to you and said you know what i've had bad news i've got cancer you wouldn't say oh i should have been there for you you would accept my problem as a problem yeah and I think when it comes to mental health problems, instead of thinking that you could have done something, just be just there and supportive. Accept and like, that yeah. this person has that because once you have a mental health problem, unfortunately, you have it for the rest of your life, and all you can do is manage it and control it. And I think that's what his brother is aware of. Yeah, like, is he managing? He's it? probably the only mm. one that's like like accurately doing it. Whereas yeah, his parents are just happy that he's happy, and they're giving him money, and they're like really excited that he's going he's to parties. Friends and, and, stuff. and he's yeah. a girl, and but stuff. they're not actually asking him the questions. Yeah. And I think that's quite accurate because you've not read the book, have you? So in the film, his sister's boyfriend is a bit of a loser and she shouts at him a lot and then Charlie witnesses it. witnesses, um, And that's all you really get of it, right? In the um, film. In the book, he carries on hitting her. Mm. And Charlie knows about it because he sees her and he sees her boyfriend hit her more and he actually goes and tells his parents. Oh, wow. That's what happens in the book, and she stops speaking to him, and then she realises what... And she's... You know when he speaks to that teacher? Yeah. It, that teacher realises straight away that something's wrong, and that's when he tells his parents in the book. Mm, interesting. Because that was, that's it, domestic it, that was, I, I did think... Because that was an issue like I've mm. got here as our, like, in our next mm. category. But it did feel weird that it was brought up, and then... 
sort of didn't happen, like nothing ever happened mm. of it. And then at the end, she was like, he dumped her. She mm. dumped him. And I was like, it wasn't really good. Wasn't, I think it wasn't resolved very no. well in the film. In the book, I mean, books are different, obviously. You've got so many different plot lines going on at the same time. It was done much better in the book yeah. than it was in the film. I think either include it properly or don't include it at all. That's what I, that's what I think. Like, mm. you know, and in like talking about how it handles these issues, mm. it's almost like they tried to cram in too mm. many things. I think and that so. one, they were like, uh, you know, like he's dealing with like repressed memories and there's this sexual abuse stuff and this mental health stuff and his friend, like his friends getting beat up for being gay and all this stuff. Oh, and uh, there was domestic, domestic abuse, abuse too. Well. Yeah, it's I like, agree well, with that, just, yeah. You know, really focus on a couple of things and mm. be done with that. So should we go on to that category then? Yeah, let's do it. So the last category that you said was about social commentary and there are so many issues. So we've got the the LGBT issue, the homosexuality. So Patrick is an openly gay character. Everyone knows he's gay. And, and nobody really has a problem with it. No. And I think that was a really good element. Yeah. That he could be really open and then have the contrast of the boyfriend. Mm. But I think if you own something, and that's always the way, isn't it? If you're confident and you own something, who's going to come after you? Like, yeah. they, you can People can say what they want, but if you're like, and what? And you've got the attitude. Whereas with Brad, his dad was a homophobe. And his dad was violent. And, it, and, he and did like not religious, because he said he was yeah. worried about going to hell. Yeah. So you've got all of these issues with Brad's character. That's why he's hiding it. Whereas Patrick's dad is supportive. Mum's support. Everyone around him is positive yeah. and supportive. Obviously, he's going to be confident. Brad, unfortunately for Brad, he had a very, very, very difficult life. Especially with his friends all being jocks and homophobes as well. Yeah. You know, so he's got a really difficult way there. When I was in school, we had huge racial divisions in our school however the one thing we didn't have which i always found strange was um sexual uh divisions so if you were gay nobody or anything cared. nobody cared but mm. if it was like a white guy talking to a black girl oh that was a problem really yeah how bizarre yeah it was just bizarre, racial what, like yeah you 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 tend to think that like one follows the other you know like you know if you're like a racist then you're probably going to be a homophobe yeah but also like yeah. if you're accepting of people's sexuality then you'll be accepting people's mm. race and they're like you know acceptance well i sort of felt was yeah just once you've got it like you know you know yeah you don't hear many i know i just like, found that really i like really racist like gay people you know what i mean but they must it must exist they must exist or really homophobic if you are a racist like, gay person please get in touch yeah let us know We'd, what it's like yeah or like really really homophobic like um like race rights activist people. You know what I mean? Like, does it happen? Can you have like, yeah, like. I don't know. I think you could like be like anti-racism and still be a bit homophobic. Yeah, it seems bizarre, doesn't it? Uh, of course it seems bizarre because we're normal. Yeah. I, just, I mean, like, you know, we've had this discussion many, many times when it comes to, you know, homosexuality and LGBT issues. Like, what is the issue? Like, yeah. how is it in 2018? We are still talking about the rights of human beings like who like you know saying oh there's something fundamentally wrong with homosexuality and you have to quit then question well why is it fundamentally mm. wrong like of course it's not fundamentally wrong and then having arguments with students especially younger students i'd say you know it is a choice because you know my friend became a gay it's yeah. like well no they didn't become a gay and that's all education stuff yeah. as well and it like is. coming from their like you know obviously they've heard something from either their parents or mm. friends or siblings or you know whatever it's quite i mean when it comes to like you know analyzing these kind of things i always have to just 
take a minute to realize like how lucky I am mm. being straight because unfortunately that's the norm of society yeah. isn't it and we've never really had to have that kind of fight but the way um like sexuality was depicted in um this film i thought it was really accurate because yeah. you do get those disgustingly homophobic people that would go out just to beat you up because you're gay but i i liked it as well because it wasn't like it wasn't just that mm. it also had the other side mm. where like you know he when they were doing the rocky horror thing he went and sat on charlie's lap mm. and it was like that was funny. Like, yeah. you know, like, everyone was fine with it. He looked over at Brad, and Brad smiled and mm. laughed, like... And he was shaking his head all proud. There was, yeah, yeah, like, there was, there was that side of it where it was all super normal, and everyone was fine with it. And it's like faggot. I think, like, the way that word was used was... It was, like, full of poison. Yeah. It was, like, disgusting. It was, it was venom. And I quite liked that word. Because it really separated itself, the way it was used, yeah. than, like, you know, when um, Patrick calls himself, like could anything be more gay than this and stuff? And he's using it in a really positive, funny way. Yeah. And then but they that use word, that faggot, in really that hatred. Really horribly, yeah. yeah. I thought it was a really Because the girl says it to Charlie as yeah. well, about his, like, folder yeah. thing. And, like, but and really, hateful, st- really hateful, biting, hateful, yeah. yeah. And I think um, it was a really, really good use of language there, really, really effective. Um, so the other issues about was sexual abuse. So we've got Emma Watson's character and... She's on the bed after Christmas, um, Secret Santa, sorry, with Charlie. And then they're just talking and they're just having a nice... And she bought him a typewriter, which yeah. was really nice. And they had this lovely like, yeah, moment. Really lovely moment. And then he says he's never been kissed and he's never had a girlfriend or anything like that. And, she, and he asks her about her and she says, what, me being kissed? And he's like, yeah, when was your first kiss? And she's like, oh, I was 11. And the way she says it, he doesn't, okay, you're 11 years old. Uh, who was it? Was it someone in the school? And she goes, no, it was my uh, dad's uh, boss. And he's just, oh, "Oh." jeez. And she considered that her first kiss. So for that, for a young person to say that was your first kiss, you know more happened. Yeah. And she's saying in a way, I feel as though, like she's kind of accepted that happened to her. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, like that was an interesting one because there was rumours about her. Yeah. Hooking up with lots of guys. Mm. But she used to, and she says that. Yeah. But, she it, she but then she really kind drunk. of explains it, that it kind of stemmed from that mm. as like this, as like this horrible way of being accepted and like doing the right thing for her it's dad or, you know, whatever Candice it was. Candice say, Charlie's si- uh, sister said, oh, Sam's got a bit of a reputation. Mm. Don't know what it was, but you, she knows about it. And then Sam's says they used to get her drunk yeah. and do things to her at parties. And she would let them. Yeah. And you just think, that's disgusting. Yeah. And uh, you f- you get the impression that she kind of stabilized when she met Patrick and the parents married. You kind of get that feeling. That's when. Well, yeah, because obviously, better. like things with the dad were like mm. totally messed up, and so yeah. And Charlie says, "Oh, my aunt. That ha- something similar happened to my auntie." Um, but she got her life together, and that's when he starts speaking about his auntie. You know, she ha- she was a victim of sexual abuse as well. Um, and then we move forward and then on Sam's last night at the town before she leaves for university, they start making out and then she touches his thigh. And he has and a flashback he, of his auntie. Yeah. He, he keeps getting, no, he, that's when he starts feeling bad. He doesn't have flashbacks just then. He just starts feeling a bit like, whoa. No, because the, there, there is one flashback where of it's someone else's hand on his leg. Yeah, but it's not her face yet. No. no. So in the book, he hits her. 
He hits Sam. Yeah, he oh, like wow. pushes her away and he runs out in the book. So it's very different. Yeah. Um, but then he comes back to apologize and blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, oh, it's so fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then they, they just like sleep next to each other. Um, so in the book, and then after Sam leaves and he's kept together, he has a breakdown and it is bad. And he phones his sister and he keeps talking about his auntie and he's he saying... He says it was his fault, fault that, that she, she died because he wished she died. Yeah. And then she gets the police involved. And then the next part is him in... Well, he's being sectioned again yeah. and he's in mental health ward. And then it's revealed that actually his auntie was sexually abusing him when he was younger. Yeah. And he was just had all these repressed memories, which was such a... It was so and a shocker. heavy. And... Because she was a victim of sexual yeah. abuse. And there is a reason why, you know, the abusers abused abuse. Yeah. It's just this vicious cycle. And then and then they said that he said the tough... Like, because he's narrating this part. Mm. It's another letter. And he says the toughest day was when they told mum and dad mm. what happened. And once and again, he's thinking about yeah. his parents. But that scene where they tell them and mum's like devastated, obviously, and she like runs into him. And mum like grabs him and holds him and stuff. And then his dad, who's always been very stoic and very sort of, mm. like he calls him sir and stuff, just gra- like, you know, so gently just like grabs him and kisses him on the forehead. That mm. was like, that was a really nice moment to sort of bring him around and sort of back into life. I know his dad's like quite strict, but he's still doing his homework for him. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he says back at the clock. He's when like, yeah, Patrick, when Patrick reveals his clock, that was <laughs> like, so funny. And then the wood teacher's like, uh, he's like, you being serious? He's like, if you fail me, you get me for a whole other year. He's like, Sweet, you pass. <laughs> I just like, who's doing your homework? It's like, yeah, my dad's doing it for me. It's like, it's accepting that yeah, parents yeah. just do the kids' homework. I thought it was hilarious. The domestic abuse as well. Um, what she says, she says, um, don't wake mum and dad. Um, you know, I egged him on. He's never yeah. hit me. He'll never, and, you know, that's the way it starts, isn't it? And domestic abuse actually happens in, starts from a young mm. age. It doesn't start in your 20s, right? If you're the kind of man that's going to hit a woman, you've done it before. You know, and the data proves it as well. And it starts with that attitude. It's like, oh, it will never happen again. Yeah. It just shouldn't ever happen. Uh, yeah. The only time but you I... hit hitting someone is acceptable is defense. Yeah. I think that is it. And that's it. Yeah, anyone. that's it. You shouldn't hit anyone. Yeah. Like, but, you know, like, uh, you still hear kids saying, like, oh, you can't hit a girl. Don't you hit anybody. Hit anyone. You shouldn't hit no, anyone. You can't no. hit anyone. Just don't, like, don't hit people. Unless you're me and Scott and you're doing soccer boppers. <laughs> You know what? Like, no. no. So like inflatable. My nephew uh, had them, yeah, yeah. and I was like, I need to have like inflatable like punching pillows. <laughs> so we do it. That's right. We That's don't do it anymore, apparently, because you know, someone's a sore loser. Not me. <laughs> I'm really good at it. So, Brilliant. Yeah. So what did you think of? Actually, I was just gonna say one. Mm. The last thing that I really liked was the soundtrack to this movie. Yes. And I didn't give it as a category, but after I watched it again, I was like, mm. maybe I should have, because mm. that was like. They have this big moment where they like she's standing up in the back of the pickup truck, uh, with like standing up to this song mm. and it's Heroes by David Bowie, yeah. and it is awesome. And yeah. then they talk about this like song that they don't know, yeah. And then they find it at the end and he does it again. That was sick. The that ending was so of the good. film was beautiful, yeah. and the book that bit, yeah, that bit where he comes out of the tunnel mm-hmm. and the and Heroes drops. Yeah, I got shivers. Yeah, I was like, they they did the music really really well. Um. One of the things I was going to say was, um, and this is just to listeners, with mental health problems as well, it's not hard to, it's it's not easy to talk to people. It's really, really difficult. And I think writing is a really easy way of getting your thoughts down. And I mm-hmm. think that's one of the um, pieces of advice that a lot of people give, which is just like what um, Charlie was doing by writing these letters to this 
ambiguous unknown person anyone that is feeling down if you just write your thoughts down yeah. suddenly things will become clearer but if anyone does feel like they need any help there are there are many yeah, many make sure channels. you reach out yeah. yeah there's lots of things Main like mind mind, yeah. mind is the one Brilliant that comes charity. to mind as well lgbt issues as well and um, domestic abuse and there are like many things any of these mm. issues yeah talk to someone reach mm. out Reach out, reach out to us and we'll get you in touch with someone else. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So what did you think? Did you like the movie? I did. I really like this book. It's one of the books that literally just makes me spiral in so, in so much as it's so, so heavy. Yeah. Um, But I think it's a really important book and I think it's a really important film as well because yeah. there are kids out there that are going to, through these things, yeah. you know, with homosexuality, sexual abuse, domestic... And I think seeing it from this very troubled character's point of view is really important. I think the fact that the author directed mm. the film as well, I think that's yeah, really nice. good. I'd give this a B. Yeah, I reckon I'd give it a B as well. Mm. Yeah, I really liked it. Mm. Oh, so let's move on then. Yes. So I set for you The Freedom Writers. Yes. Yeah, set in the 90s. So what were the categories? So I asked for you to focus on the depiction of a rough high school, the disillusionment faced by the children, mm-hmm. the teaching methods used, and what you would do, the final one, as a teacher, what you would do in that situation, what kind of teaching methods you would maybe apply to children that are that um, yeah. troubled. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Um, so Freedom Rise is a 2007 film directed by Richard Lagravenisi. Uh, sorry if I've butchered the pronunciation of that. Um, we should practice these. We should. We before. should. Yeah. I mean, we've done this but like, for like. Yeah, anyways. Anyway, carry on. Um, <laughs> it's based on a book, The Freedom Riders Diary, by teacher Erin Gruel. So this is like, like a sort of dramatized true story yeah. of, of what actually happened. Um, and it's kind of like they basically, she was starting her teaching career in this really troubled well they just started a like an integration well, she was meant program to be a lawyer. yeah she was going to be a lawyer she swapped to become a teacher yeah. instead and she ended up in this quite a rough school who was trialing this new integration program mm-hmm. um it's sort of based just after like the Rodney King riots mm. and so she come in and these kids do not care and they're really rough and they're really and they've kind of just like stuck her with these kids and she's like, no, 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 I'll try and reach them. And this all happened in real life Mm -hmm. and she basically got them to start writing down their story. Mm -hmm. So you can write whatever you want. And their stories were like incredible. And so she put that together in this collection of books called The Freedom Writer's Diary, which was all of their stories Mm -hmm. put together. Um, And it's basically the story of how she came about doing that. And it was uh, Hilary Swank. Mm. She did a good job. She did a good job. I love Hillary And Amelda Staunton is the... Um, the evil teacher. The evil teacher. And yeah. Patrick Dempsey is her So Amelda Staunton, if you don't know, husband. she's in the she's the evil one in um, Harry Potter yeah. in the outfit. And she's just like a superstar uh, English theatre actress. Mm. Like, she's really good. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, J.K. Rowling based that character on an actual... Really? Character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she'd never tell her who it was. <laughs> no. Um, but okay. most of the Dementors are named after her mates. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is hilarious. <laughs> um, so your first category is a rough high school. Yeah. Now this, like... So you've got Hilary Swan coming hardcore. in. And she comes from a very privileged background. You know, she has this bubbly... And it's important that she's white. Yeah, that's a, um, that's a thing. This is a big issue. Yeah. So the first day, like, she's there. She's waiting for mm. the kids to come in. And 
there's like security guards at the school that have to bring in the kids every morning. Like they're, they're literally marching them into the mm. room and she's like, they, as soon as they all get in, they all turn their desks to face each other and they just start talking. Because she's planned the desks, yeah. isn't she? She's like, she laid them out in this like nice way for ages. Yeah. She's like, oh yeah, my table plan. And they just turn and just ignore her. Um, and it doesn't take long until someone says something to, like it's really racially divided. Yeah. You've got the Latinos, the African-Americans uh, and the Cambodians. Yeah. And there's one white one kid white in the kid, class. Yeah. And like something kicks off straight away and then like an alarm goes off Ah, uh, because the they come into the school and the alarm goes off and there's this huge gang fight mm. going on and they all run out of the class mm. and she just like, oh god, and she like yells out for help and the security has mm. to come in like pull the kids apart and stuff. Yeah, like we've never experienced anything like this. <laughs> like I've been to I've been to some rough schools where some rough stuff has happened, mm. but nothing like that. No, nothing compared to what these kids are going through or facing. No, but you did mention about this integration program, so do you want to... Well, yeah, so basically, like, after the, like, Rodney King mm. race riots, they were they had issues with African-American kids mm. coming in, like, being in certain schools, and they sort of really pushed it. And one of the teachers says this was a... Like a top, outstanding this was an outstanding before school before this integration program. You know, the problem with integration, like they, I think they they did this in like places in India as well with the same um, like issues, and it's like that's not the way you solve mm. problem of integration by no. forcing people together. I yeah. mean, it's never going to happen. It's better to well, I don't know what you think, but I think it's better to target those schools that are low performing with diversity and like smaller classrooms oh, yeah and they literally they literally just took these rival gangs yeah and put them together and shoved them together <laughs> like here you go that get along work. you've got the security guards like you said outside of all the classrooms and stuff and the security guards really know what they're doing don't yeah. they they really really do you've got the metal detectors going on bag searches that are happening as well because one of the girls has a um so one of the kids has a gun mm. in class like you see him with his gun yeah one of the girls has an ankle tag because mm. she's on like yeah you know not like you know, she's not like sort of a rest, but mm. she can go to school, sort of thing. Um, so very, very different lives from yeah, our kids. Yeah. yeah. And these kids, like, because they throughout, like, there is a narrative of the story, but throughout it, there are their stories mm. spoken throughout, and like they are all in gangs, mm. pretty much. But you're not allowed to talk about that no. in school, yeah? Because she asked them a question about and it, they're and they're like, like Haha, yeah, no. that's right, yeah. And it was, so one of the characters, one of the girls in there as well, um, the main... Ava. The way she was initiated into the gang. Oof. Yeah. Like, she was absolutely battered. Because she said once they, once, what do they say? Like, once we beat you up, Mm. then you're tough. And her father is in prison and he was a major gang leader. Yeah. And that's another point yeah. of her life which is she just has to follow in her father's yeah and they say and the big th- sort of thing throughout the whole thing all the gangs have this is that you look out for your own mm. you, you take care of your own you look after your own and so early on she is out with her like boyfriend mm. and another and her boyfriend or another they're guy. the cambodians uh no she's a latino no um the other yeah, gang, yeah, yeah. The other gang, but yeah. she's out mm. And um, she's at shops mm. and there's a there's an African-American guy in the shop and he gets in an argument with the um, shopkeeper. Cambodian shopkeeper yeah. and he just leaves. Mm. But as he's leaving, her boyfriend pulls up to shoot him. Mm. He runs out of the way and he accidentally shoots one of the Cambodian guys. Yeah. 
and then he was a boyfriend of a classmate. Yeah, yeah. And then the whole uh, like criminal investigation thing. She's the only witness, or she's like the key witness, um, Ava, and she says that she saw the black guy that ran away do it. And then that keeps coming up throughout mm. the whole movie because she's sort of... So that's part of her character arc, yeah. isn't it? So at the beginning, it's like, yep, you look after your own. So she doesn't she's, care. She's so sure she's of like, it. Yep. Like, yeah, she's like, yeah, I'm just going to say the black guy did it. Not a problem. Um, but then as she learns more in the class and she learns more from Erin, um, Miss Gruel's character, Miss G, that's what they call her, don't yeah. they? Miss G. Um, she starts questioning her choices then. Especially yeah. because it's the Cambodian girl. Her in her class. In her class, yeah. that's her boyfriend who died. And she n- knows that she knows. Yeah. But like because of this sort of gang culture, she's not going to yeah, like rat on her yeah. doing it. It's like... It, it's just accepted. Yeah. 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 It kind of leads into the disillusionment yeah. sort of stuff. Like this... What these kids are going through is insane. Mm. Like, you know, her father's been in prison since she was a little girl. Um, Did he kill someone? Yeah. That was, I think he killed like another high level gang member for like from one of the other gangs Mm. or something. That's what she's got to live with. And then you've got uh, one of the other guys and he says his mum doesn't want to speak to him at all anymore. Marcus and he's living in a shed. Since he got jumped into the gang and he lives in a shed by himself. That's really sad when you see him. Yeah. And these kids are, again, these kids are juniors. Oh no, they're uh, freshmen. Yeah. Um, So yeah, they're 15. And then they do a big... She does a big test with them all and says, like, how many of you have seen... How many of you have lost a friend to gang violence? And all of them, like, stand mm. up to the line. And they're, like, just... It's tough because she's... It's like she, like, chips at them every now and then and they all just go back to themselves. So they're kind of starting to get along. Um, and she, like, makes them all stand up and into two lines and, like, step forward if yeah. you've been victim of gang violence. All that. That's one of her teaching methods. And then... One of the boys gets a caricature drawn yeah. of him, and he's he's black and he's got like a big nose and he's exaggerated and it's he's, his lips. That oh, his lips was yeah. Because then she says, says about the, yeah. the Nazis and she takes used to use it the propaganda and for the Jewish yeah, people and she really flips out and then they're like, oh, what, what what's up? What's the Holocaust? But then and that's when the film really kicks in. Yeah, but then there's this whole thing because she's trying to sort of relate to them. She said like don't you want to learn about this stuff and, you know, you can get a, an education, you can be the first ones to go to college, you can do this stuff. And one of the guys, I think it's Marcus, again says, we're happy if we survive the day. Mm. Like if we get through the end of the day, that's our graduation. That um, conversation was when they're all shouting at her was so heartbreaking yeah. to watch because she's crying yeah. because what they're saying is Factual, like, who are you? You're just like privileged white yeah, woman yeah, exactly. that's coming here telling us and how she, we can be yeah, better. Yeah, right, she and says... Uh, white police came into my house mm. and took my parents. Do you know why? Because they could and mm. they can. And so why would we sit here and listen to you? Mm. And then when Mario says, how do we know you're a good person? Because yeah. you're just telling us to trust you, but you haven't yeah. done anything to earn our trust. And you could be valid, lying to us. Yeah, yeah, it's a valid point. These people have been victims of like racial discrimination probably since the day they were born. Yeah. And to get told by someone who is privileged... Um, oh, you know, trust things are going to get, trust me, things me. are going to get better. Things are going to get better if you have an education. Well, is it though? Yeah. Not really. Not if you're still in that situation, even with a high school degree. But that's it. And then they, and then they, she uses the, that picture that was drawn to explain about the Holocaust and about 
like the Nazis and stuff. And yeah, they don't know anything about it. And yeah, then they, she, she uses that as the proper device. Like she talks about that in Frank's diary and stuff. And that really sort of opens their eyes to what it's like out in the rest of the world. Mm. Um, the, the big, the, obviously the big key thing is that she kind of, she wants to connect to them and she's doing a terrible job. She's talking about like Tupac and stuff. But then she says, okay, here is here's the thing we're gonna do. I've been trying to give you a book, an empty exercise mm. book. You can write whatever you want, as much as you want about anything at all. I won't read it unless you want me to. But you have the only rule is you write in it every day. Mm. And she says, I'm gonna open this cupboard, and at the end of the day, I'll lock it so nobody else can read it. But if you want me to read it, I'll put it, you put it in there. And she opens the cupboard after mm. the first day, and every book is in there. And that was like, ah, oh, that's awesome. That's really nice. In 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 real life, that didn't happen. No, you know, I don't. That, that, yeah. that took that like months very, and months and months yeah. and months of work for anyone to write that was anything. Very like Hollywood. Hollywood, perfect. yeah. Um, that was again. We she's she is again another English teacher who's using writing as a tool yeah. for communication. And I really like the fact that after reading Anne Frank's diary in class, they all decided to write their own stories yeah. down. And writing your own stories down, I mean, it's such an important, vital aspect, isn't it? So in in English, with the curriculum changes, you don't do story writing anymore. Yeah. Which is... Such a shame. Such a shame. So I actually... <laughs> I, you, this is the first time I've seen this movie. Mm. But I actually did this in my first year of teaching. Mm. With, like... I was in a class of year two kids. Mm. So they were... Five or like, six. Um, seven, okay. six or seven, because mm. they're a year older in Australia. Because okay. we don't have um, the first one. Nursery? Yeah, we don't have that. Oh, really? Not the same way that you guys do. So when do you guys so go kindergarten, to So kindergarten, so at your um, reception, you start reception in year four. Our kindergarten, which is the equivalent, you start in year five. So we start nursery when we're three. Yeah. That's three to four. And four to five is reception, yeah? Yeah. So we do five to six is our kindergarten. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So we're a year, we start a year later, and then we finish at year 12. So Anyways. your parents have to have you from one to five? We can go. You can go to like we go to like preschool, oh, okay. but it's not part of your school. It's oh, usually okay. a different place. It's never the same thing. Anyways, um, I did it with the these kids, mm. and I yeah I hadn't even seen it. I just heard about this technique, and so we did exactly that. And every day for ten minutes, I say write something, and then at the end of each term, I said okay, pick your best story and type it up. And then we did that, and I gave yeah. them the, as a present at the, the end of the thing. I gave them like a book with all their stories in them Aww. and they loved it yeah uh but it is it's so good mm. and very effective technique. it's and it helps them read and it helps mm. them like everything because so this is the thing like you know there's a massive increase in dyslexia and it's not actual diagnosed dyslexia it's called lazy dyslexia because yeah. kids that don't actually read and don't actually write and then they can't read and they're like i've got dyslexia it's like no you you've never read a book in your life that's yeah. why you can't read not that's because like you've got adhd or dyslexia it's yeah. because you're lazy and and that was we've kind of moved on to the teaching methods yeah, anyway. Exactly. But that's fine. Um, the other thing I thought was great was she went and asked if they could use the textbooks. Yeah. And the horrible teacher said no, you can't because they'll destroy the books and we can't afford to buy more books. And she's like, so you're just gonna leave these books sitting in the cupboard? Mm. Um, so she gets a second job mm. to go and like pay for 
extra stuff for yeah. these kids. But one of the things as well, the books that she chooses for them, she's talking about Odyssey and, you know, she wants them to read the classics, yeah. which is a really nice way, actually, of, like, approaching literature. But that, we don't relate to this. But then she doesn't pick that. She picks no. that gang, yeah, like, the one about the gangs. that's yeah. the one. When she's looking through all the books in the shop, she's like, ooh, this one they will yeah. relate to. Because they're like, we don't relate to any of these characters. No. And that was that was such a nice scene when she handed them out. And they're like, these and are brand new. Yeah, he whispers, these, yeah. Are, these are brand new. And he's, like, sniffing the books yeah. and stuff. And they could take such good care of yeah, them. Yeah. Because they're brand new books, and so then their big, her big present to them mm. was like four books, mm. like, and they were just blown away. Yeah. They loved it. It was, it was really nice, and I think those of those people that don't have access to books and all of that, it's such a nice present yeah. to give because it really, really is. And that teacher, like, having stacks and stacks of good books hidden away yeah. in the cupboards, and that's when they start getting publicity, don't they? Because they start raising money for books. Yeah. And the kids get involved. And, well, the big thing is because they read Anne Frank's diary and they mm. love it. And they go out to dinner. They go to the um, the museum and then they go out to dinner with, like, Auschwitz survivors. Mm. Well, they get in touch with them, don't they? So no, she organises that one. Oh, okay, yeah. And then, and then they want to meet... Because she talks about the, the lady that hid Anne Frank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, can we meet her? Can we fly her out? And she's like, no, no, we can't do that. And then they, that's when they start fundraising yeah. and doing that, this massive thing. And <laughs> there's a great little montage because they're doing like a dance and they're doing like a food festival mm. thing. And the horrible teacher, it's just like every every new article, she's like knocking on the yeah. principal's door going to yell at her And again. then she goes to knock and he's like just coming. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know she's a horrible teacher. I do understand her frustration though. Yeah, and some of the things she says are like, I get it. Yeah, because she's, she's like, I am. She's right, This is an outstanding school. And the, the program doesn't work, but we're forced to work with these kids with no training, which is a good point that yeah. she makes. Like, for example, you know, we've got inclusion in our schools where we have to work, work with, like, autistic children with no training. Mm. Like, we don't have specialist training. And then we're doing them a disservice. And that's kind of her argument, which is I'm not trained to deal with these students and their problems so I can't teach them and they yeah. don't want to be taught. And that's actually a fair point. And and the point she makes then, so towards the end of the movie, she they say, oh, are we going to be in this class again next year? Because mm. she teaches them for two years. And they say, we're going to be here with you next year. And she says, well, you'll be juniors. I'm, I don't teach juniors. Mm. And they all like freak out because they've just transformed. They've all become like, they've all been writing lots and reading lots and they all love her a lot. Uh and they get really upset. And so she goes and asks if she can have them again. They say no. And the speech that um, Emilda Staunton gives, I was kind of like, you know what? She's kind of right. Because she said, look, it is undeniable what she has done for mm. this group of kids. But we have like a thousand kids in this school and we can't be rearranging everything for this one group of 20. Mm. We have to, with everything we've got, give the best opportunity to the most number of kids yeah. in the school how can we be like and this isn't a feasible way to teach a thousand kids you can't take them all on a trip to the thing and have dinner with Auschwitz survivors and to have this like you know I it's agree. sad but it's true it's true like, if you're in a state school unfortunately you've got to and it's like you know what he's kind of right like mm. it's not fair on like you know because because one of the girls changes classes mm. And it's like From a it's AP like a race her, thing, yeah. Because yeah. she keeps but getting really, she's the only black one in that class. But if I was in the other class mm. and I saw this group getting books and going on trips mm. and having special guests and special dinners, you'd be like, "I want oh, that. I want that as well." Mm. Like, you know, 
and everyone would probably have benefited from those techniques. Mm. But not everyone's going to get to do that. Yeah. So I, 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 I did get it. And um, the girl that transfers across the AP girl um, because she ke- keeps getting picked on for the black perspective, yeah. yeah, which I thought was, I think it was great because yeah. you do see like this guy who teaches the highest class, they're all oh, white. He was a douche, wasn't and he? They're all white and yeah. he doesn't see the problem in that. He's just like, so? Yeah. It's like, are you are you serious? Like, so you and because she said, "What do I? Because I'm black, I know how all black people think yeah. about everything that's ever happened." Uh, always, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what, what um, what about the teaching methods? Then? What about them? What, what what do you like, dislike? Well, you know, some of them, some of them weren't teaching methods. Some of them were like things to try and get through to them and relate to them. I think the the free writing thing is mm. really awesome. I think it's really useful. It's really helpful. I think it ends up being really helpful for the kids because mm. it makes them want to read more. It helps them It helps them with reading. If you have to write something... It gives something, substance and importance to their yeah. written word. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, and it gives them something to be proud of and they mm. can look at it and say, I've done this. Um, using things like music that they're interested in to analyze like language and stuff i think it's really cool it's hard because well i did teach literacy and stuff before last year but now as a science teacher i wouldn't use many of these techniques no um but yeah obviously like trying to relate everything as much as you can to what they're interested in so picking like the book about the gangs is something that connected to them and you're always trying to link everything you do. I feel like I'm in a job interview. <laughs> 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 I feel like I'm giving my, like, you know, interview answers. I think it's difficult, though. Like, some of the books that we read in English, they are just so shit. They really are. <laughs> They're absolutely shit. The kids are like, why am I reading this? Like, I don't relate to this at all. You know, Jekyll and Bloody Hyde. You know what? Can we I stop? like Jekyll and Hyde. Of course, of course you do, and of course I do, right? Because but the language is very difficult oh, yeah. to access nowadays. So how about you know there are many many books out there, you know that we can actually access and read, and the kids can relate to, you know. But now it's just like reading is a punishment for them. Yeah. You know we've taken the joy out of reading. Yeah, but thank you, but Jeremy I, Hunt. But I I didn't reading when I was in school either, and I sort of forced my way through reading textbooks and stuff, mm. and then. I reckon between the ages of like eighteen when I had to, when I didn't have to anymore and like twenty two or twenty three, I probably read one or two books. Mm. And then I went on holidays, I went backpacking and I had so much free time that I was like uh, I was like, Yeah, I'll read some books. I read like eleven books in five months or something. I just devoured them. I just like and like huge like, you know, mm. five hundred page books and now I haven't stopped since. Mm. I've always and read. so, but that's the thing. Like mm. some people do always read, but some people, like right now, I am. I love books. I love reading, and I'm the biggest advocate for people mm. to read. But at the time, I really didn't. It's we, not just about reading as well. It's just like just have things that people can relate to, just like she did, and she did it using her own money. Yeah. And teachers aren't going to do that. We're not yeah. going to use our own money all the time, and we're going to be broke. Well, she, she ended up she with had three jobs, jobs, yeah. And that took a strain on her relationship as well. So you didn't like Patrick. Dempsey's character. Oh, he was. Her husband. Her husband. So, like, they're because she's spending all this time at the school, they have this strain. And then he says, Would you pick, are you going to pick me or the kids? And she says, If you love me, you wouldn't make me pick. Mm. And then he said, What does he say? He's like, Oh, I think you know this is for the best. No. um, She says, Isn't this enough? And he says, No, I need more. And 
that's on me and that's when he leaves. Yeah, Something like that. But, it's, so but like along the lines of like it's not enough for him. It kind of it kind of made like the very end it kind of spun it that they were kind of like mutually agreeing like she was kind of like yeah I get it. But I don't think like I think he was Oh no, he was selfish. selfish. Yeah. He was being selfish, but I think he was aware that he was being selfish. And I think that's quite important. Like he never thought like, you know, he was in the right. He knew that he If you yeah, like she tried to include him. She was like she was like, we're having dinner with the Auschwitz survivors. Come and join us. And he was like, and he just ignored her phone call and stuff. Mm. She was trying to bring him into that world and trying to get him involved. And he, he just didn't want to do it. He just, I, yeah. I think he but was too But then he complained. Privileged. Yeah. I think that, that, you know, and I think I know I sound very prejudiced when I talk about privilege all the time. But I think he was very privileged and he just didn't want to see reality. Yeah. Whereas she was very privileged, but she wanted to, to change make and help changes. Things, yeah. Whereas... Making those changes literally financially bankrupted her, whereas he just didn't want anything yeah. to do with it. Her father was against her at the beginning until she managed to, you know... Get like, him on board. Yeah, and he was brilliant that when he finally really got him. So when he picks him up in the car, <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. And um, the kid's like, oh, yeah, I don't wear seatbelts. Like, yeah, like, put it on. Like, put it on in my car. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, so, like, what you've done with these kids, like, second time round when they're in the restaurant and they're all, like, behaving impeccably yeah. and they're, like, having a really nice time just sits there looking at everyone and he's, like, so proud of yeah, his daughter. Yeah. And he's an influencer at the end of the day because he's, like, like, a big lawyer or a judge. And or he was an activist too and mm. that's why she's so, like, why he's oh, supporting Oh, Black this. Panthers, that's yeah. what he did. He, he support. He didn't he represent them yeah, or something, something like, that. like that. So... He was like, it was a different time then. And she yeah. said, no, they all came from here. And I thought their relationship was really nice. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. Um, and I and like, I just loved how you just got bits of their, the kids' stories mm-hmm. throughout the thing. There was a scene when, so she'd given them all books and she had some like sparkling apple juice mm-hmm. and said, come up and make a toast to try and change something one of them said i'm going to try and reconnect with my mum," and one said i'm going to graduate mm. and then one of the kids says can i get up and read from my diary and she said yep no worries and he reads a story about how they got evicted over mm. the summer and how it was oh, like the worst time of his life he's never spoken before yeah he's never spoken yeah. before and he gets up and he says but then i got back to school and i was came back to this class and it was like my family mm. and people that liked me and where i belonged i cried in that way that one was like so he was lovely just and because he was true like you know at this point in the movie they'd all gotten along really well and they all came and hugged him mm. that was really sweet that was really sweet and I thought I think when I watched it I really cried at uh, Marcus's story because he was homeless and he yeah. was living by himself and then when he does approach his mum and she's yeah, actually scared of him yeah. like she physically like and he's like look look what I've done and he shows us something doesn't he and no that's no he doesn't he just says he just said, I'm, I'm out of that life. I don't mm. want to be anymore. And she just welcomes him But then up. I love her, how subtle that was because mm. she didn't say anything. She just handed him a grocery bag to mm. carry. And it was like, all right, you're back in. It's 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 kind of crazy because, I mean, in our experience, we deal with kids that are in social care and things like that. I mean, when you hear about, you know, evictions and kids that are homeless and stuff, it's there's nothing you can do, yeah. really. I mean, you physically can't do anything. You, you want to do everything, don't you? But you, you can't. <clears throat> it was brilliant that the fact that they actually did manage to get um, the secretary that hid Anne Frank over. Yeah, it was incredible. That was such um, a good scene. How they just sent all the letters, didn't they? She just they sent every. They all wrote a letter mm. and they all sent them, and then they raised the money to mm. fly her out. 
And what she says to them, like, you are the heroes because yeah. you're doing it every single day. And when Mark's like, oh, can I walk her in? And that she just looks awesome. so tiny yeah. in comparison. He was a really to good character. Mm. He's a really good actor. Yeah, I like him. He's been in other things as well. I think he does, like, rapping as well. Oh, I, think, yeah. I think so, yeah. He raps in the... F- um, he raps in the oh, film yeah. as well, remember? When she's like... Oh, yeah, when they're Tupac doing the lyrics, yeah. Has, uh, what, else, what else were the, your teaching methods? Well, promoting the value of education. And yeah. We've sort of discussed that a little mm. bit, but it's it's so hard. It is tough, especially when, you, especially when we are educated. Yeah. And I think that's one of the hardest things that's been for me as a teacher is to promote that. I mean, I went to a really rough school and stuff, but you can tell kids that. They don't mm. give a crap. No. Like, I'm what? You know, you, you still manage to get out and blah, blah. That's, you know, you've never really worked in such a rough school. So. I guess the thing with, like, high school, so like, each subject's different. Mm. And I think each subject's, like, the value of each subject is going to be different. Obviously, English and, like, literacy is hard because being able to read and write is so fundamentally important mm. for everything. Even if you say, okay, you never have to read for pleasure ever in your life, you still have to be able to read, read and yeah. understand things that you read. Like, Well, it's like, I think your age, reading age needs to be, to like survive in life, it needs to be like 14 mm. or 15. But the exams are done for like the reading yeah. age, you need to be 16. It's like, mm. and And like maths is similar to that. Mm. Like you do you need, need a maths. certain level within yeah. it. Science, I've, I, I, the way I approach it is that rather than trying to, like, you know, you can get through life without knowing what photosynthesis is. That's fine. You you don't need that to get through your life. What I feel like this is my interview. This is my interview talk again. Mm. What I feel is more important in science is trying to foster just curiosity. Mm. Not saying that, like, the important thing is to memorize the parts of a cell or to understand, like, energy bond diagrams and stuff. Mm. But to look at something and go, well, why does that work? Why does that mm. happen? How does that work? And That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. I never thought of it like that. And it's just like, if you, if they finish class with me and then come back to me the next day and go, sir, why, why, you know, why is the tree shaped like that? Mm. Like, great. Let's, let's find out. Like, I don't know that. Let's find that out together. And I said like, that's what I'm going to be like looking at and trying to assess you on is if in the middle of an experiment, you can turn to me and say, well, why is this happening? Mm. That is the attitude that they should be leaving with. Because mm. I feel like as someone who is interested in science, that is what it is. You hear something you're like, wow, that's really interesting. Why does that happen? How does that happen? And that's what I, I feel the aim of science is more than a necessary like preparation for life. Mm. That's a really good way of putting it. Do I get yeah. a job? A few more questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is because I think people aren't really curious anymore, are they? No. It's a Google age. You can just get the answer. Yeah. yeah. But but having having the information there is fine, hmm. but just keep asking yeah. questions. Like, I do it all the time. But do you not think also, though, that a lot of teachers don't ask enough questions? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, staff, I mean, you don't come to staff room because you're up in science. We have our own staff yeah. room. So I have to hang out with the plebs, right? The minions, you know, you know the great. You know they're listening to this. I don't care. The great Wash. I'm joking. So I, where where I hang out is like a mishmash of different teachers, right? Yeah. No one really talks about anything like, oh, did you hear about this? It's just more about you know Love Island and football and. I'd say that I'm one of like, I'd be one of the few that does that just because I'm like, 
a science geek anyway. Mm. But I do that with my friends and stuff as well. I and do they're that like, as well. they're like, I'm told to shut up a lot. Yeah, me like too. Ted. They're like, oh, he always has something to say about something. Like Ted's always getting. Told I'm like, to yeah. Show. I'm like, did you did you hear about this? Is that your how I met your yeah, mother reference? Was. Nice. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Did you, oh, it's like, oh, I read this thing the other day. Mm. Uh, did you hear about this? And people don't care. <laughs> we don't. They don't care. It's but just I'll keep doing it. That's why we're doing this together. No one else cares. Right. So what would you have? Give I'd this. give this an A. I yeah. thought it was awesome. I thought it was so... Would you recommend this as well? Definitely. Would you recommend this to teachers to watch? Yeah, hugely. Not like, as like a guide. No. But I think it's I think it's reflective. I think it is interesting to look at it and be like... Because I reckon we've all been there. We've all been there, not necessarily to that extreme, mm. but with a class that you can't control. Yeah. And we've all been there, and it's interesting to see how she deals with it and how you would deal with it mm. and like... I think it's good. But I'd recommend it to anyone. I think mm. it's a really good I think good I think movie. it's good. For, I'd give it an A as well. I think yeah. Hilary Swank's performance in this was fantastic. Yeah, and I really like her. I you don't know, know why. I don't I've know why. I've always liked Hilary Swank. I don't know why, but... Mm. You've seen a million dollar baby? Yeah. It's really good. Mm. That's a really good film, though. Yeah. I'm, but you haven't seen it, That's so it. you can't keep saying, yeah, mm, yeah. <laughs> You'll like it. Yeah. you like everything. You'll say it's pretty good. We... Also have a very special guest on this week. Yeah, so his name is Josh Rue. He's a cinematographer and a filmmaker based in Chicago, United States. <laughs> As opposed to Chicago, Birmingham, England. England. <laughs> yeah, Chicago, United States. And we were so, so lucky they agreed to come onto the show and speak to us all about filmmaking, cinematography. And as a Malaysian filmmaker, one of his aims is to promote arts and education across schools which I thought was really yeah. relevant to what we're talking about today. It's brilliant. He actually mentions a feature film he's working on sort of looking at how art and science and stuff are taught and how, like, the changing way that it's focused on in, in schools, which is perfect. So here it is, our interview with Josh Wu. All right, we are here with uh, filmmaker Josh Wu, and he is uh, going to talk to us about what it's like filmmaking, how he got into it and all those sort of things. So welcome, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. So what got you into filmmaking and how did you end up choosing Chicago to base yourself in? As a kid, I always uh, I was like movies, you know, every kid loves movies. And then one day I was watching this documentary. It was a pretty hard-hitting uh, serious documentary and it made me feel something. It made me want to, like, change the world in a way. So I was like, if people can make movies, like documentaries, that can uh, influence other people to do things... I could do that too. Brilliant. So that's what when was, I really started a yeah. What was the documentary? Well, this was many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think I remember the name, but it was kind of like a sex trafficking documentary, so it was pretty serious. Yeah, wow. I was like, wow, this, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. I actually went to film school to study documentary. That was my first uh, shebang. Mm-hmm. But uh, after going to film school, it became more of a, well, I think I like movies more than documentaries, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it's that kind of thing. That's cool. Uh, which brings, yeah, which brings me back to uh, Chicago because uh, I knew I wanted to make movies, but I knew uh, LA, which is the mecca of filmmaking, yeah, is uh, really expensive to live in, and New York is also really expensive. So Chicago's the next best option. And and do you uh, still do you still live there now? I travel back and forth. Yeah. So right now, oh yeah, I was born in Malaysia, and I'm back home for a bit now. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. So um. When it comes to working on different genres, what kind of cinematography um, choices, like, for example, like, what choices would you make um, in a comedy film in comparison to something a little bit more darker? Uh, it all ties down to the story, honestly. 
once you know what kind of story the film's going for, then you can kind of draw inspirations from other movies to kind of relate to the style that you want to incorporate into the film. So if it's like a comedy, like uh, The Office maybe, American Office yeah. and the UK Office. Yeah, got that. Uh, so you draw, draw inspirations from those and just like uh, kind of incorporate little bits and pieces from other movies into your movie and you get this brand new thing. Oh, brilliant. Um, so what sort of things are you working on at the moment? Um, so right now, this year has been mostly commercials for me. I don't know why. Uh, I just wrapped up a couple commercials. But me personally, I'm, uh, I direct on the side also. Yeah. That's my other, uh, other thing. So I'm currently in post-production for my own movie. It's about the uh, arts and science stream in school. How like, uh, I don't know, it's really hard to explain, but it's just basically how the education system is kind of not so good here in my country in Malaysia. So I'm making like a, a film about it. Oh, brilliant. That sounds really good because we're both teachers. So that's going mm. uh, to be awesome to watch. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's you, great. When you said about the Malaysian school system, um, do, do you think they put more focus on STEM subjects like science, technology, and yeah. maths yeah. rather than arts? Yeah. <laughs> so we've had... That's essentially... Yeah. So we've had a massive curriculum change in the UK, actually. It was, what, two years ago now? Yeah. Where they're pushing more STEM subjects and like kind of removing more of the art subjects from the curriculum. And what's your uh, opinion on that? That's why I made the film, honestly. I feel like art and STEM subjects, are, well, we'll just call them scientists for yeah. uh, a group of other scientists. They're both like equal, you know? It's like humanity is divided from, into the arts and the sciences. Mm -hmm. So without both of them at equal level, we can't advance as a human race, in my opinion. If you push too much on one side, it's just going to be too mundane. If you push too much on one side, it's going to be too free so you gotta have a good balance sometimes education systems just want to push for the science exactly because uh, it's all just coming from right, government yeah. stuff and like you know yeah making people for offices and factories and things yeah so uh, what's your favorite film and uh why and what kind of films do you like working on what genre it's a really tough question <laughs> you get asked all the time <laughs> uh, i want to say blade runner I'm a huge sci-fi guy. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. The new yeah, one yeah. or the old one? <laughs> it can't make me pick like that. <laughs> <laughs> They're both really good. I can't pick. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Have you read both the Have one. you read the book? Do you, do you enjoy Stream of Electric Sheep? Yeah. That one. I've I've not, but uh, it's I've heard it's not too close to the movie. It's no, a, it's like a they. Pieces. Yeah, it's it's sort of like um, they took the idea of it, not so much the story of it. But it's it'd be worth a read just to see what you think. But didn't the author yeah. of the book say? Even though he wasn't close, the film was really good. He, he yeah. really liked the film. He he thought that the fil that the book was like unfilmable. Yeah. And that he didn't think anyone would be able to do it. So he was really impressed that they did do it. So what yeah, kind of I can um, read it. So what kind of genres do you like working on? Uh, sci-fi, of course. Right. Uh, yeah. It's just it's a whole wall you're creating there. It's amazing. Sci-fi and fantasy. It's uh really gets uh, gets me excited. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Um, and do you have any advice for like uh, aspiring young filmmakers? Sure, yeah. Um, you gotta keep chasing your inspirations. Uh, if you see something you like, try and replicate it. Try and make it with what you got. Doesn't matter of what uh, equipment you have or what resources you have. It's what you have right in front of you right now. That's what keep pushes you to the next level. You know, just gotta keep using what you have, and it'll just keep growing and growing and growing. But if you don't do anything and you just wait for something to come that's never going to happen. What kind of advice would you give to those um, young people, like, let's say, in Malaysia that probably don't have access um, in 
in school um, to the arts? Um, what can they do to uh, like you know get them get themselves out there creatively, 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 creatively. Well, I want to say that we live in the 21st century, so we it's a good and a bad thing. We all have access to like our phones, mm -hmm. which has like a basic camera on it. And even the camera on there is good enough to start somewhere, you know? Mm. So that's your first resource per se. And then you have your friends, your family. Even though the school doesn't really support the arts, you can always do something at home. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to do it in school. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Like, it's so awesome to hear talk, about so yeah, yeah talk to talk someone about, who's yeah. actually in the business and like creating these things and really like pushing for this career and and doing it and living it like it's awesome yeah for sure uh i'm glad you guys are like teachers you know like mm -hmm. like advocating for stuff like this yeah we're, we're fighting a good fight <laughs> um <laughs> so if you would like to hear more from Josh or see what he's been working on, then go to his website, which is www.joshwufilms.com and his Instagram is at joshwufilms. We'll put both of those in our episode description so you can go and click on those links there as well. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks guys. That was great. That was so good, wasn't it? He was that so was, nice. I really liked the fact that he said replicate yeah. the shots because a lot of like people tell you, oh, you can't copy anything. You have to be original all the time. Whereas thing, you want inspiration yeah, exactly. and take bits from here. I like this. I didn't like that. When I was an art student, I used to copy everything yeah. because I'm really good at copying. But that's but that's <laughs> like, like no, why not? Everyone does that. That's mm. like you know, all music is you know, every rock and roll song is derivative from blues stuff. It's like, nice that he also said that you know, everyone's got a camera phone. Doesn't matter about the quality. It just yeah, yeah. matters about and, framing. And kind of like just true. get into it and mm. just just do it. It's good. So it's nice to know that there's someone out there, another filmmaker that's promoting education. It's really important yeah. that the creatives do it too, not just teachers. So check out his website. Check out his Instagram. Um, look out for his feature film coming out. It's gonna be good. Um, all right. Next week's homework. Yes. We are going all the way back and all the way forward. We are doing something like that. Sort <laughs> of all the way back. All the way back. Well, yeah, whatever. It's like mid of the way yeah, back. Mid, mid of the way back and mid of the way forward. Okay, we are going to do Bond films. And um, because it's Bond films and they've changed so much, we've decided that our four categories are going to be shared and we're going to focus on the same things but just compare and contrast them across the decades really yeah so we're gonna pick we're gonna we're still gonna pick a movie each mm. um i'm picking golden eye yeah and i'm picking spectre for you brilliant so mine is like the 90s and it was with pierce brosnan mm -hmm. yours was well recently wasn't yeah, it it's like years, years ago. ago yeah and so daniel craig was your bond yeah daniel craig's my bond and pierce brosnan's yours yeah okay so, so the character uh, categories categories wise we're going to be focusing on the like standard conventions of a Bond film, like mm -hmm. the recipe that makes up a classic Bond film. Um, we're going to talk about the, we're going to compare the Bonds and the villains in each of the movies. We're going to look at like the villains' plans and how plausible or ridiculous they are. <laughs> and we're going to look at how they approach gender. Yeah. How they portray I think that's it. a big reason why we've decided and to a compare big, and, and contrast. And a big way it's changed. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, especially with these newer ones. So Bond is a massive franchise. If you have any comments, queries, anything like that, please get in touch. If you decide, like, you know, we do record, we're going to be recording in a week's time. So if you've got an idea for a category, let us know. Yep. If there's another Bond film you want us to watch, 
let us know. Yeah, and we can we do can that. Add one Absolutely. In. As always, please, 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 please leave us your feedback. Leave us your comments on iTunes, on Instagram, on Facebook. It's the Homework Club Pod on Twitter, Club underscore Homework. Please do it. We love reading your comments. Email us on the Homework Club Pod at gmail.com as well. Um, rate us on iTunes, please. We need some more ratings. Yes, please do. We've got a five star rating at the moment. We want to keep that. Yeah, keep it. But with more people having said it. Yeah. And we don't have that many people saying it. So, so please. please. <laughs> um, and if you are doing any shopping on Amazon, please use our Amazon affiliate link. It will be in the episode description below. Um, it doesn't cost you anything extra. So just go on there and buy your normal stuff. But we get a little bit of money from it through yeah. the magic of Amazon. Cool. Um, and that's all. Thank Brilliant. you all for listening. Great. So yeah. Bye. bye. bye.